first main feed episode of Retrovaniacs of 2024. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And I know right now you said, Jeremy, what do you mean the first main feed episode? Well, in case you just found this episode or ignore me every single other episode, we also do have a Patreon feed. So if you go to our Patreon page, which is always linked in the comments uh, for this or in the description of this episode, uh, there are plenty of bonus episodes, three a month, in fact, uh, at this point, uh, that are Mm -hmm. never going to be on this feed. We've already done one episode this year on the game Saint Sword for the Genesis. So if you love this podcast and you wish we recorded more often, we do. You just have to join our Patreon to get access to those. But instead of just hawking our Patreon, to kick off the year, I would like to discuss if anyone either got a an interesting gift this Christmas, or or uh, mm. or if they bought something on one of the many many sales across all the all the different applications we use, Steam or Switch or Xbox or anything mm. else. I I actually I exercised a little bit of self control. I did not purchase anything myself this time. I'm very focused. This is the year that I'm going to play through the shit I've got. It's piling up. It's piling up. Um, that being said, I, I, I was gifted the, the remake of Super Mario RPG on Switch. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, knocked it out over the course of a few days. Just completely engrossed with it. Uh, it's one of those where they didn't change much. They added in some uh, new mechanics here and there, but they were all, in my opinion, uh, great additions. Uh, I wrapped it up and, and got back to my regular gaming. However, you know, I'm trying to beat all the games I have. So when my son uh, <laughs> picks me up a Wii, I, I mean the original old school Wii, still has the, the GameCube, you know, capabilities with it. Um, and, and a copy of a game I loved, I loved to hate, but lost, Cursed Mountain on the Wii. Uh, quite possibly one of the shittiest survival horrors I have played. Um, I will now be playing that next, and 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 then seeing what God, see what I can get into. It, it's it's a shame when I'm so focused. Uh, I, I'm gifted something like this is going to make me go back and revisit a lot of old games. I, I in the, some point last year, I decided I also needed to buy a Wii. Yeah. Uh, it's good to have around. That, well, solely for that GameCube ability, right? Like, I thought, uh-huh. I, I want to play GameCube uh-huh. games. The GameCube is expensive. I do have some Wii games. Yes, they work on the Wii U, but it's just not as easy as just having a Wii there as well. So I picked up a Wii yeah. for that same purpose. Uh, although I am now intrigued by Cursed Mountain. So perhaps remember that for Ooh. this October. We've got at least one patron pick already oh, uh, for our, our lineup, and now we may have Cursed Mountain. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I yeah. didn't get a lot of interesting game-related gifts. Um, you know, I'm past the point where my family buys me anything but socks. I did get a lot of very nice mm-hmm. socks. And I have to thank them for that. Uh, but I do get to buy my oh, yeah. children gifts. So uh, we now have in our house that same Mario RPG remake. Uh, I also bought yeah. the Donkey Kong, the last Donkey Kong uh, country game for the, the Wii that was out. Or mm-hmm. I guess the Wii U that they put out on the Switch. So I have that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I managed to, you know, try not to buy too many things. I did manage to acquire a Steam Deck recently, thanks to Jeremy. And Woo! I was able to pick up Baldur's Gate 3. Everyone's talked about it. My old, you know, the laptop that I record this show on is barely able to run the original Baldur's Gate. Uh, so I was not going to rush out to buy Baldur's Gate 3, but now that I have a Steam Deck, I've picked it up, and I am, uh, I'm playing through it very, very slowly. I'm enjoying it very thoroughly, uh, along with trying not to buy a thousand other things on sale for Steam. In fact, that's that quote Steam sale was, I think, $3 off of a $60 game, but I still bought it on sale, so I'm going to count it, because it's also a, a recent game. I never talk about recent games I play, but unfortunately, for everyone who listens to this podcast, 
Uh, we bought my older son his own gaming laptop. He got a, a very nice gaming laptop, and now he has Steam. And so the first thing we did was look for what was on sale, and it turns out Monster Hunter World was only like $6. So I bought it oh, for boy. him, and I bought it for my Steam Deck. And so now I'm playing through Monster Hunter World with my son, <laughs> along with playing Rise randomly mm. online to get prepped for Monster Hunter, uh, what, uh, the next Monster Hunter game, Wilds, that comes out next year. So not 2024, yeah. 2025. So unfortunately, I'll try uh, for everybody to not talk about Monster Hunter World for a third year on this podcast. But who knows perhaps i will but jeremy what did you pick up over the holidays i got a few games off of the steam sale uh actually let me look here uh because i can't really remember so many he can't remember it, not even like a ton can't hide can't hide money just random stuff that i had don't have on in my steam library library i got celeste uh i got psychonauts oh. 2 Ooh. Uh, what else? I got high on life because I really like that game. I, I just mm. been playing it on uh, game pass and who knows when that goes away. Right. And, um, the big one, I guess was uh final fantasy seven remake. And you, you got some heavy hitters. Well, I got that one because we are actually currently playing through that game on our discord, uh, for the next two months up until part two comes out at the end of February, hopefully. And, um, yeah, that's I, I played through it on PS4 and PS5, and and so I was like, you know what, I'll play this on Steam because I I really like this game. So <clears throat> yeah, we're doing a, a a playthrough of it, doing like six chapters every every two weeks or whatever. There's 18 chapters in the game, and uh, it, it's it's a good time. It's a good time to to get in there and and talk about people. If you guys want to, anybody listening want to wants to join up, head over to Retrovania.net, mm-hmm. click the Discord button there, and uh, you should be able to find it. It's pretty easy. Uh, but yeah, the other thing that I got is, uh, actually I can't talk about it because it's going to be our next bonus episode. So, Oh shit. So if you want to find out about that one, uh, head on over to Patreon. I'm just a big old ad machine right here. Mm -hmm. Head over to Patreon, sign up and, uh, check out like, what are we up to? Like 145 bonus episodes at this point. It's a lot. Mm. It's a lot, but it'll, it'll be the next one and it'll be a good one. I promise. Yeah, so far, based on our experience playing with the next game, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you can find that out by joining our Patreon, but as well at our Patreon, uh, along with getting access to three bonus shows a month, plus a bunch of exclusive posts and other stuff. Uh, if you join at the, I forgot what I've called it now, Super Retrovaniac DX2 Deluxe T Turbo or whatever, uh, you can force us to choose a game we have to cover on this podcast. We do it a lot. We have a bunch coming up this year because we're way behind on them. Uh, and this game we're going to talk about today is one of those games. Joey H off our Patreon has picked Body Harvest for the Nintendo 64. So as I mentioned at the start of the show, this is a patron request, and I have that patron with us right now. This is Joey H. from our Patreon. Joey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be on. Uh, well, I'm excited. This is another game that I really hadn't played. We kind of mentioned in the show before, N64 is not something I... I mean, I had one, but I had it for like the games everyone had. So I didn't play a lot of these games uh, that people recommend for the N64. Now, is, is Body Harvest a game you had when it was out new? So I own it now, but I bought it a couple of years ago. It's one of those things I rented from Blockbuster a few times, and I was never able to make it past like the first level. So I rented it, I would go as far as I could, and then I would always fail, return it, and my save file would be gone the next time. 
Well, I can definitely see how that would have been a problem. This is not a short game. Uh, sometimes you play some of these, and once you know what you're doing, you're like, oh, this is a game I can blow through in an hour. Body Harvest is not one of those. Um, it's not incredibly long. It's not like a 40-hour game, but it's going to take some time. Uh, and I definitely had that same hurdle, where I, I was probably stuck on the first um, area. Like, it's three levels kind of make the first area you're in. And I was stuck there for the first week of me playing this game, because uh, this is a fairly unforgiving game. Now, you mentioned that you, you every time, you know, it took you forever to get past that first level, and then you kept renting it. How far did you get when you were just renting it at, like, the farthest you could get in this game? I, so the second, like, real world, I think, is called Java, mm -hmm. and that's as far as I had made it. And like you said, it's just, it's so punishing because when you die, you go so far back. Yes. That I finally made it to Java and then I, I, I could never make it past there. And because I think the longest I got kicked back is like 40 minutes. And it has like a time tracker with like the amount of bodies that you can't even progress through it slowly. So if you go too slowly, you just lose. And if you go too quickly, you get bumped back like 40 minutes to an hour. So it's extremely frustrating. Yeah, I, I definitely get the frustration. I have a lot to say on the frustration. However, I think uh, as we're going to discuss when uh, when we talk with Billy and Jeremy, there is a lot here. Um, I, I'm assuming that you've since you've bought it after you rented it, and you finally hunted it down now. Um, I assume you've probably gotten much farther than Java, but also that there's definitely things you like about this game. It, yes, so I've, I've beaten it now just because I like forced myself to get all the way through it. But knowing that this is like this is the pre version of like Grand Theft Auto 3 makes it really interesting to see because it looks it's an open world. You get in cars, you drive around, you've got a gun, but it is so janky driving around. But you can feel all of the elements of what Grand Theft Auto became. And it's really cool to like kind of see that. But it is a little bit of a struggle to kind of push your way through it. But the story is so cool and it's so interesting, but it's just the execution could definitely have room for improvement. It's not something I think I'll beat multiple times. Yeah, now I, I don't know how many times, I don't know if I'm going to finish it by the time we record this podcast. I've definitely gotten pretty far, but I'm not through it yet. Uh, there is definitely, you mentioned the the setback section where it's, you know you you, you mess, make a mistake, the save points are theoretically close if you knew what you were doing each save point is probably 15 20 minutes but if you don't know what you're doing uh you basically get through 12 to 15 to 14 minutes of that 15 minutes make a mistake and have to do it all over again uh and in some of these sections i've done days on the same section just days of failing over and over again because i just don't quite know where to go the game does give you instructions you have a little map you have a even a radar map that kind of helps a little bit but it's just it, because it's the n64 there's definitely some graphical limitations on on helping you know where you are that i think games like grand theft auto three and and uh and all the games since then that they've put out they, they, it's not no longer a problem but the n64 the draw distance along with just the the amount of uh of color they can have on the screen at once a real limitation to making it an open world game where you can truly tell where you are for sure like you said that i think i heard you say the draw distance it's pretty brutal in some of those missions i guess is there anything else about this game that you think people should know or make sure we want to cover i think the the story is just it's so interesting because I think I was thinking about which games to kind of suggest. And this was just a game that came to mind because I'd never beaten it. But the story was always such a fun little sci-fi trope where you're like traveling through time. And I mean, they touched on so many little things like you get a submarine at some point. There's zombies at some point. They just they threw everything in this game. And I think they did a lot of it 
great and they did a lot of it poorly but i think just the amount of elements that they tossed in here is just such it was such a fun thing to revisit as frustrated as it could be i think it really is just cool to see like the origins of what rockstar would become and i think even one mission in like san andreas is called body harvest is kind of like an homage to this so it's like one of those those like stop offs you make in like gaming history of what would have been if like nintendo had kept this title and this company with them yeah it's got a lot of neat things you can see uh, kind of the, the the seeds of what would become their kind of trademark sort of game. So uh, I do appreciate uh, this off this this pick because it's one we definitely haven't played. So we're going to put some time into it and talk about it soon. Um, but is there anywhere on the internet people can find you? No, I'm pretty quiet on the internet. So nowhere to look at me. Sometimes I pop on Discord here and there, but I just play games online every once in a while. So you might see me there. But otherwise, yeah, nowhere online. <laughs> Well, you know what? That makes you smarter than us. Uh, we, we're unfortunately always online. Um, but thank you for, for again for this pick. We're gonna, I'm looking forward to talking with uh, Jeremy and Billy about it. So um, thanks again, and thank you for supporting the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for keeping work less boring during the day. So as we just heard from Joey, he picked Body Harvest for us because it's a game he had played before and it does a lot of really interesting things for the time. Had either of you played Body Harvest before this podcast? I hadn't. Um, I, I, I think I'd heard like the name in passing every now and then. You, you know, you watch your, your Nintendo 64, uh, you know, kind of hidden, hidden gem videos, things like that. People would, would mention it here and there. I, I was not aware. Um, but I mean, the thing came out, I think 1998, which th- there there was heavy shit going on video game wise then, especially on the 64. Like the <laughs> Banjo Kazooie just came out. I believe they dropped a Zelda that. Yeah, th- there were other things um, that that kind of occupied my time. So this this flew under the radar, and yeah, I, I can't say I had played a, a lick of it until we did it for this. I. I, I remember seeing this in the video stores. Um, I got my Nintendo 64 not not super early, but also not super late, kind of like mid-gen, uh, around when Banjo first came out, because that was one of the big reasons I got the 64, was to play Banjo. And I'd always see this game, and you know how whenever you turn a lot of those uh, boxes over and look at the, the graphics and stuff, and on the Nintendo 64, it was usually just a blurry mess. You know, if that console isn't in motion, you're just like, hmm you know, even on the best of days. But on that one, like I turned it over and it just looked bad. I couldn't, I couldn't tell what it was. I had played return fire on the 3DO and that kind like, that's what I was kind of seeing there, but there's also like aliens and stuff. And I just, I never figured out what it was. I don't remember seeing a preview of it or reviews. So I just never got it. And over the years, like, I think the story behind this game, to me anyway, is, is more interesting than the game itself. We'll get into that. It's a, dis- but it's, it's a disaster. There is a crazy story behind this game. Uh, but what we got, it, it's interesting. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. It's interesting. Boy, you, you've, hey, you've already showed your hand. Right? <laughs> interesting. Um, I, I want to say something at the beginning. I want to go ahead and get this out of the way. 
get this out there. For the most part, it is very fun to drive the vehicles, and there's a lot of different vehicles. I wanted to do that because I wanted to get all the positives I have to say about this game out of the way right here at the beginning. Well, I, I must not know a lot of the backstory on this. What I did know about this game uh, is that it was by DMA Design, which became Rockstar North later. This is before the Grand Theft Auto 3, it's, but after the first Grand Theft Autos. Um, and it, it's, it has a lot of things, like you mentioned, driving around the vehicles. There's a lot of things in this game you'll see show up in Grand Theft Auto 3. The ability to find any vehicle mm -hmm. in the game, if it's a human vehicle, and pilot it around. You immediately take it over. It's got its own health bar. Um, different vehicles have different weapon styles or different speeds. Like, there's... There's definitely differences in the vehicles. It very much reminds me of Grand Theft Auto in that way. There's also all these little missions mm -hmm. that you find as you're out doing your, your quest mm -hmm. and little events that are out in the world. Like it, It's got a very involved open world. Not as involved as Grand Theft Auto 3 by any means, but, but still pretty impressive, especially for the N64, and a fairly large open world map that you're doing these missions on that you need to complete missions to you know kind of unlock the gates that move you to the next parts of the level. Uh, we're going to get into the more specifics, but uh, what is the background that you were referring to, Jeremy, that's not quite just that this was by the folks that made Rock? that made uh, Grand Theft Auto later? Uh, they were originally wanting to make kind of more of a, a GTA-style mm. GTA game. And I, I, I don't remember, like, quite what happened, but it wasn't, it wasn't it was living Nintendo. up to what... Yeah, Nintendo, yeah, Nintendo wanted heavier RPG elements. Yeah, so that's when they started adding, like, where you can, like... Uh, go into houses and look through like objects and find uh, treasures and which you know, is admittedly the the where this game just turns into a fucking a trudge through the mud. You can tell that there's there's some weird things that just yeah. aren't gelling yeah. here, and that's yeah. one reason why. Also, just because DMA could not work with Nintendo, there was like a language barrier. Plus, Nintendo mm. was being very overbearing on what they wanted changed, and what ended up. What we got is is just a weird mishmash of a, yeah. of a game that really didn't, you know, it wasn't what DMA wanted. It wasn't what Nintendo wanted, but we got to get this game out here. So let's just shit it out and, and see what we got. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that there's a lot more to that. And you can look it up on YouTube uh, yeah. to get more specifics. But that's basically what happened. Yeah. But this had about a, a good, what, four years in development. Yeah, it was in I development it for a while. Started in 94, 95, which um, makes sense upon looking at it because it looks like it was perhaps <laughs> developed in 1995. Um, Jesus Christ, who took a shit on my screen? Um, we, we, I think we've talked about like how games age and whatnot. And I, I, I don't know if we've commonly agreed that the PS1 has the worst aged games on it. Um, this is this oh this is a fucking bowling shoe ugly it's bad um your 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 own character is perhaps the least detailed thing in the entire game there are some enemy creatures on here that are that are decent but man this upon getting this thing up and playing a 64 game i'm not looking for great graphics or anything like shit i i love playing pokemon snap and and it's it it is even a mess when we went back and played it. But whew, this is one of the rougher looking sixty four games we've encountered on here. I think graphically you're right. I think it's not impressive uh, as far as like you're not going to see pictures of it and think this is the most incredible game. Everything's very brown and mm. gray or or solid green. Like there's not 
there's not a lot of color to what's going on, but there mm-hmm. is always a lot going on. There's tons of monsters that are spawning mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. There's people on the ground that are individually moving that you're supposed to kind of avoid or save. Like there's lots of action in this 3D world that is is running smoothly. There's not a ton of slowdown like you'd expect. Um, if this was on the PlayStation 1, for example, I guarantee this would have been just a slog uh, at all times where it chugged when things came on the screen. I think this runs pretty smoothly, mm-hmm. um, especially because you're then jumping in and out of vehicles. Like you, when you're in the, the, the action screen, uh, you can both be on foot, which you can do a fair amount of damage. You can use most of the weapons in the game unless they're mounted to a tank or something on foot, but you don't take a lot of damage. So you want to be in vehicles mainly to fire your guns out of the window, you know, giving you some defense and better mobility while still having access to the weapons you'd pick up as you're on, on you know, running around as a little man. But the, so, so it doesn't look good, but it runs well, right? I was actually pretty impressed with how much this game can do without really chugging. Um, the draw rate isn't terrible for an N64 game. You know, things don't just pop in. They do kind of fade in. Um, yes, there's that fog you expect in an N64 game, but it's not too terrible. I was I was pretty impressed with how much this game did. Uh, my, my previous experience with this game was not never actually playing it. I don't know why in my mind I thought it was more of like a mindless 3D action game. And I guess if you just looked at shots of, you know, your character running around either as a person or as a, in a vehicle just shooting these aliens, it would look like it's, you know, any other... Uh, uh, what's that? What's that game? It's like all the where you're you're fighting all those bugs, Earth Defense Force or something like that. Um, it's very. It, that's what it looked like to me. Just this kind of blocky mm. 3D action game. So I never gave it a shot. I didn't know that it was DMA design later on when I would have gotten to the Grand Theft Auto 3 series. So I, I just. I, I totally ignored this. So I'm very excited that someone picked it. As I mentioned many times on the show, while I had an N64 or access to an N64, it really was my brother's system, and I only played, like, the the big games. I played Mario Kart and mm. Star Fox and, and, you know, all the, the four-player games, GoldenEye, all that stuff we played. But I never really sat down or bought games for it or found weirder games for it. Even though I worked at the Electronics Boutique at the time, I ignored this system. I was much more of a PlayStation guy and then very excited for the PlayStation 2 and just kind of, over, you know, overlooked the N64 as just, like, yeah, it's a kid's system. It has some good, fun group games, but that's what Nintendo does and, and moved on. So one of the things this podcast has made me do is run out and find a bunch of games. Also, when I was streaming that I'd never have played mm. on the N64. And so this is one of those. The story for the game is pretty straightforward, uh, is that at some point in the future, aliens have come to the Earth and and are going to take it over. And it turns out they've come every like 25 years to Earth and, and abducted a bunch of people, I guess, to study humanity and figure out how to best mm. take them out. So you come from the future, you go back in time to these four different eras, uh, 25 years apart, where you're supposed to stop the aliens from taking a bunch of people. That's really the ultimate story. Stop the aliens taking a bunch of people by doing everything you can do to destroy them. So each of the levels you go through, um, each of the eras, I guess, you go through Greece in 1916, mm-hmm. uh, the island nation of Java in 1941, the United States in 1966, Siberia in 1991, and then the last level is, uh, at that time it would have been in the future, but now it is in the past in 2016 on the alien comet level where you're going to fight the aliens to stop their final advance on the Earth. And... So when I started the game originally, I was in Greece in 1916. I didn't pay attention to the story. I didn't read the manual. I just went into it. And I couldn't even figure out exactly what was going on. Because you don't really tell. that It, it looks like part of it is ancient. Because you're in Greece. So it's got these like older crumbling buildings. And there's like these yeah. statues of gods and stuff. But then otherwise, I'm like, there's all these real vehicles and real trucks around that I'm not 100% sure would have been around in 1916. But it doesn't really matter. Uh, and, and you're running around fighting aliens. So from the very get-go of the, of the game... You know, you're supposed to, to walk around and figure out what your mission even is. You have to go into a house and talk to somebody. I didn't mind the sections that they added where you go in and talk to people. I thought having missions made it more interesting. It gave it a story. But they definitely feel like they're taped on. You didn't need that. You could have just walked in and it could have said, you know, drive to this town and save the town. And you would have just had all the people running around, all the vehicles, all the, all the, the giant bug enemies. Because all the enemies in the games are mostly variants of giant bugs. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that would have been fine. But instead, you have to go into this, ta- this, this building, talk to this guy. He's like, oh, if you want to open the gate, I'll open the gate for you. Use the switch over here. And you go over and you push a button to use a switch. And then you go back outside, get back in your vehicle, and it's opened a bridge for you to go through. The, the, the actual, like, first few levels of this game, most of the grease areas, I really, really enjoyed. I liked the fact that I had these missions to do. I thought it was pretty straightforward on where you were supposed to go for the first part of the game. It was, you know, very clear. Go to this town. You have a map. You look at your map and you can see, oh, it's over here. And then you can easily drive over there. And on your way, you have to fight a bunch of aliens and you get to the town. And then it's, it it causes these events as you're playing through the game. uh, When you get to the different checkpoints where uh, these harvesters will show up and that's uh, Mm. what's, you know, capturing the people for to, to, so they can abduct humans in the future. So you have to find the bug that looks like a big harvester. It always is the biggest thing on the screen at the time, run over, destroy it really quick, destroy the enemies that are also fighting it to save people, and then you get to go on to the next, you know, the next mission, basically. In in the middle of these missions, you're giving these destroy the harvester parts. Again, early on, it made a lot of sense to me. You know, you have a basic mission, go forward and try to save this town. It means you have to go and, and find this old inventor that will tell you where he put this tank or whatever, and then you have to, you know, it's all these little missions. Mm-hmm. In the middle, you're doing these, these events where you're supposed to stop the harvesters. That was all fine and good. I really liked this game at the very start. Um, now, I, met, I, I know that both of you aren't aren't real big on this. Uh, <laughs> neither am I necessarily, but I thought there were did some neat things. But did you even get through the first whole era? Did you get into Java? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I will say this about this game. If you are driving or shooting, it's decent. But uh, there, it, there's so much just... The, the levels uh, The levels are too big. Level's too big, and, and and they're just barren. Like it is just, I, I I don't. The closest thing I can equate it to is when Duke Nukem Forever came out, and you could tell these big ass levels you went through were supposed to have a lot more in them, but they just cranked it out. So you're just traversing through these empty areas. I we're talking like No Man's Sky when it first came out. Um, it, it this game has a great sense of loneliness to it as you're playing through. Um, but yeah, it's it's. All the elements outside of uh, shooting and, and driving, like when you when you enter these buildings and all that, it just it, it really just goes downhill quick. Um, I, I don't know if I'm if we're talking about you know giant bugs and and all that that I just I want I want a fucking starship troopers. Let's just fucking gun do the entire thing or what. Um, but I just I felt the game did have strengths, like the, the variety of vehicles, shit that they would go on to to capitalize on, in you know the Grand Theft Auto games. And you can it's it's actually really neat that you can see that like the bones are there. I mean it's it's one of those things where you might not notice at first, but then you, you somebody says it and you go back and play and you're like, oh shit, that that's about it. Uh, I can only imagine like because I it, originally it wouldn't have had any of these parts in it that I, I felt slowed it down. I, we probably have a, a completely different game, but as it stands, yeah, I played through, I think I was on the third kind of level or act here. Um, got a lot of the game in, and man, my opinion never changed. Um, the controls are a little wonky. Um, I, I, had, I had the lion's share of trouble getting those down. And uh, this is also one of those games that's just, uh, it, it, it gets, the driving usually is pretty decent, but every now and then it pulls off a trick from the, uh, the, the much talked about on here 360 game, Alone in the Dark, where your car just 
feels like it gets grabbed by the ground and just just kind of tossed. You know, you'll go over a cliff in a second uh, with, without even knowing it's coming. And your your character, although he's like, what, some genetically super engineered soldier, um, not the strongest swimmer, you, you would think. Uh. You would think they would, you know, that, that super suit, put some fins on the motherfucker, do something, you know, have him do some laps. Um, I, I guess we're continuing the rock star tradition of characters not being able to swim that well. Um, but no, uh, it's, there, there's a lot of little frustrations in here. It was one of those games where it had really great moments where I'm playing through that when the harvester comes down, it, it, it is harrowing as you got it. You got to do it. Cause I think, what is it? Six or eight humans. If it consumes, um, you get a damn mutant thing sent after you that it, it's going to whip that ass. There's no way around it. So, and I think there's a max number of humans um, if they perish, it's it's game over for you. Uh, I think it's in the 20s or so, but you'll be surprised how quickly that can occur. Um, because, you know, the other humans on here aren't aren't exactly that smart. I mean, they'll run, they'll hide a little bit. But the, the aliens on here are very pervasive of the insects. Um, they really feels like they do a great job searching these things down. They're, they're fucking ripping up roofs. They're, they're searching around. Um Action parts are good, if not a little janky. And I did have a lot of um, frame rate drop during the harvester parts um, here and there. Not every time, but but sometimes they, they it dropped and it was like it was got to the point of noticeable. And the sheer multitude of vehicles is fun, and driving them is, except for when the game decides it's you know you're done driving. We're we're just we're gonna kill you. Oh, that's a cliff. You're done. But it, man, there are so many parts in here that just drag. And as somebody that's not great at this game, the fact that the save points feel like they are a billion hours away from each other, it's it it, it hurts. There's a lot of things on here that hurt. I played through uh, a, a chunk of Java, and uh, that's when I kind of had to call it quits. But not so much that it wasn't like it was just too terrible to play through. I Man, these these controls for me, like mm. we were talking, you know, you mentioned the place how the PlayStation might have aged the worse. And I would yeah. agree with that in graphics, you know, yes. for the most part, a lot of PlayStation games still play fine. But man, those graphics just ain't looking too hot these days. Mm-hmm. But man, we've played this game and uh, then we played South Park for a bonus show before Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these these fucking controls, man. I, the the Ninja, it's, it's it's the fucking C buttons. Yeah, it's, it's C buttons every single time. I I don't know if if this was also like a thing because this was like, you know, the, the first console using like a, an analog stick on the controller or whatever. Mm-hmm. At least what how we know it today in modern times. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's going to be like, actually, the C64 had an accessory. Mm-hmm. No, I mean like you know how we move characters around today on a controller. Yeah, and. I, I it, you can tell they were just they didn't quite know how to do it right, mm-hmm. and some games get it fine, you know banjo, Mario, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's other ones where it seems like they couldn't, they didn't quite understand yeah. what they were doing with an analog stick. You know, it was and yeah, and it it was frustrating on the 64 because you got to look at it, it's like the game that launched with this thing, Super Mario 64, did so fucking good with it. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's and your bar. Wings, that's your bar. 
Yeah, they Nintendo knew what they were doing. Of course, you know they made the damn system, mm-hmm. uh, so and everybody else was just trying to figure out what was going on. But man, South Park mm-hmm. controlled so damn bad, and this one is just—I <laughs> was constantly just fighting with these controls at times, either getting yeah. stuck on something or just having the the camera freak out. You know, it's, it was hard to to actually like uh, target something. A good mm-hmm. chunk of the time, you know, if it was like above you or something, it just it wasn't a smooth gameplay experience. And I can accept that to a degree. But after like three or four hours of playing, I was still having the exact same problems that I yeah. was when I first started playing it. And that was my biggest complaint with this game, besides it being a little bit too. Non it's not focused enough. It, I, I would have preferred if this had been a more focused action game, like mm-hmm. DMA was originally wanting to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and having some of the open world elements, that's fine. But yeah, it's that's my biggest problem is just it's it's not focused enough, and getting around and doing the things you you need to do is just a bit too it's a, a bit too painful for me. Mm-hmm. Let's say. Yeah, I didn't think the controls were terrible. I thought the camera was bad, uh, which is the case of most of these games, because the, the camera is basically controlled entirely with those C buttons, and not all the buttons, right? The, the, the C buttons on an N64 controller, you have the four, you know, up, up, down, left, right, C buttons on the right side. Um, up, down, and left control the camera. Up makes the camera zoom in and out and whatever, and left and right will kind of do these side pans of the camera. The down button is what you use to walk next to a car or any vehicle and hit the down button, your character will jump into it. So you're not even using all four of those buttons for the camera, just three of them. Um, the A and B buttons are mainly used to uh, to like activate or, or touch things. You're using the trigger button to fire. You're using the R button at the top to, to uh, if you have a reticle, to use for, for aiming. So it is really hard to hit things in certain places, so you want to go to that R button. But when you're doing that, you also can't move very well. So you're, you're just sitting there taking shots while you're aiming. Sometimes there's weapons that make that fine, uh, distance weapons. But if you're just using a pistol or even a shotgun, uh, it's not beneficial to be in that, that aiming mode because you're just standing there taking shots mm. most of the time. And unless you're in an armored vehicle, like a tank or something that's meant to take shots, uh, these cars in this game don't have a ton of health. Some of them have very little bits of health. So if you're just sitting there taking shots from some of the larger enemies, especially in the later levels that I got to, um, you're going to take two or three hits and be dead. Uh, thankfully, lots of health drops when you kill the bigger enemies. They drop these little heart boxes you can pick up, and it basically fills up your vehicle. Or if you're out of the vehicle, your man's health. Uh, so you don't have to worry about uh, about running out of health too often. It's not like health pickups are hard to find as long as there's things to fight. But it still becomes very difficult. And there are health items in most of the buildings. If you go into the buildings, that's where you find mm-hmm. most of your additional weapons that aren't mounted to a vehicle, uh, so a shotgun or a sniper rifle or, or any of those things you'll find in the, the walk-around parts, um, along with some health recovery items and, and whatever. So uh, I, the, the actual way the game is set up for each of these eras is each era is broken out into a series of three or four sections. Each section has uh, you know the, the mission parts that will eventually take you to where you fight against a... Uh, against a processor, which is where they're taking all these these things, all the bodies are harvesting, right? It's, a pro- it's, it's just a big machine you're supposed to fight and fight off these enemies while you fight the big machine. Great. You kill those things, a safe spot will come down, like the, a helicopter will bring you a safe spot, and that's the only safe spot you get until you get through the next whole round of, of missions, fight that processor, and get to the safe spot until you get to the final boss of that section. So Billy kind of mentioned the, the safe spots earlier. I really wanted to stress that. That was more my problem than anything else. Even oh, though they're the so controls, far away. Well, they're they're super far away, and a lot of the missions have 
nine, 10, 11 steps, plus all these harvester mm-hmm. things that are showing up, plus other enemies you just have to fight because they never go away. And they will, especially if they're flying, will just follow you around the whole map till eventually if you don't take these things out as you're, as you're coming onto them, you'll have like 50 bugs flying behind you. <laughs> that if when you finally do stop to make a mission happen, they're just there spitting fire at you and you have to figure out how to get through that. And most likely you're not going to. So you have to constantly fight these enemies. Uh, a lot of the, the maps have, you mentioned your car getting stuck. Uh, I think my bigger problem wasn't as much the car getting stuck, although that does happen, especially in the U.S. levels, the third set of levels. But the um, anything with water in this game, if you're in a vehicle that's not a boat and you touch water, you skim the water, you, you look at the water, your car will stop immediately. It just sinks. Your guy can get out and swim, and sometimes it's like a puddle, especially in that Java, the second set of areas, which is a lot of like islands with these little jungle swamp areas. And like if, you, if you're in a Jeep and you just go into a puddle, 99% of the time, your car will just stop there dead. You can't get it out. That's it. And you got to then run around and to find another vehicle. A lot of the time, there's things fighting you, so you don't have the protection of a car. If you sit in, in the water for too long, like Jeremy mentioned, you can't swim. You're, uh, or maybe it was Billy. Somebody mentioned that you can't swim. It is true. As soon as you're in the water, you'll see your oxygen meter going down quickly, and then your health goes down almost immediately. Uh, there are sections of this game where you have to be on a big boat uh, trying to get around through some volcanoes that was very, very frustrating in Java. And you, if your boat takes too much damage from these volcanoes, it just sinks, and then you're in the middle of this big lake area. You're not going to swim out in time. It guarantees kill you. But it might take you 15 minutes to get to that section where you just have to navigate a boat through volcanoes. It's not a hard section, but it's really easy to make a mistake and lose all your progress. You have to go back 15 minutes. It doesn't keep track of the things you've already done. It goes back to the last time you took that save spot. So there were sections in this game where I would go out and do a mission and then drive all the way back to that save spot and save and then go back out and do the next part of that mission and drive all the way back out to the save spot to save because otherwise... I would have to redo five, six, seven, eight steps to get to where I was making that mistake and have to do it over and over again. Java's the first time I really did that. I didn't have too many issues in the the first set of uh, the first era of Greece. There were definitely some things I wasn't quite sure what to do, but I, I was able to kind of fumble my way through it. But there were sections of Java where I not only did I not know exactly what to do because the game will tell you, like it'll give you an instruction, like go, you know, go save the people on this boat or whatever. But then it doesn't tell you. How? Like, how do you get to that island? What am I supposed to do to get there? You have to end up talking to a guy who will give you a key to a boat, and then you get on this little boat and go around this outside of a volcano, and then you can find this town where you can see, oh, there's the path it was talking about. Like, there's nothing on the map to really clearly say, here's where you need to go, other than the ultimate endpoint, which, if it is destroy a processor, it's literally just a point on your map that's grayed out with a red dot around it. You're supposed to figure out, how do I, you know, unlock enough of that map to get there? There's not really any direction. I ran into a ton of problems, and that's kind of why I stopped playing where I am, which is the third era of the game in the United States, I cannot figure out what it's asking me to do, ever. I have to look up in GameFAQs every time. What does this mission mean? I don't understand it. Where am I supposed to go? Uh, Because as soon as you make a mistake, you lose 15, 20 minutes of game time. I have been, uh, we've been trying to record this for a month now, just because of schedules and because of of how long it's taken me to get through it. I've been stuck on the United States for over a month. I cannot get through one level. Uh, I just don't know what to do. I, I will go to where it says to go and things will happen. And then it will say, save these students. And I can't figure out what that means. <laughs> I thought it was take them on a bus. I took them on a bus to where it was supposed to go. Nothing happened. I couldn't find the students to pick them up. I couldn't do anything. And it, I had to look it up. And every time I found a problem like this, I had to look up what to do because the game was not good at explaining it to you. It does, uh, like Jeremy said, it just does too much. If it was just a straight action game, if it was more like one of those giant bug killing games where it's just straight action, that would have been super fine. If this was more of these puzzles, but with 
I don't know, a better save system or or checkpoints in the in the middle of these things that were much easier to get to, or even like a better way to show you on your map what to do. A better, you know, all these games now give you an arrow on the screen or something to say where to go. This does none of that. You're just you can look on your map and you can see where you are and you can see where you need to be, and that is all it will tell you. It is it is very hard to get through the most of this game. Uh, I, I don't know if I ever would have gotten past, honestly, even past Java, uh, if I would have played this when it was new without the help of the internet to tell me what each mission meant, because it's really vague sometimes in exactly what steps you have to follow to get through it. Uh, not, not it's that, uh, that's that, that and the save states are really what stopped me. Everything else, you know, it, yes, there was some frustrating combat. The bosses are kind of difficult. Um, if you don't have a bunch of weapons when you get to a boss and it saves because your auto save is right before the boss, that's one of the places you can save. You you might have to take on a boss with nothing but a pistol till you can destroy enough of the boss to drop some weapons or something like it. It's a challenging game. I think that's the action parts are the best parts of it, and they are challenging and difficult. But those aren't what was stopping me. I can I like difficult. I don't like being lost. Not a fan at all. Yeah, it's it's just. There ain't enough there to, to kind of point you where you need to go, and and that's a, that's a big problem. But I will say there are some stuff I actually really liked about the game. Um, I I love that it has like a time travel you know aspect to the story. I think that's really cool, and being able to go from era to era and have things just completely change that's really neat. And I think you know even I, I saw in like the United United States levels there's like a side mission with zombies and and there's just a ton of variety throughout the game and it's fun to experiment with that variety with the vehicles and things like that and and just see what they can do. Uh, that that's neat. There's a lot of it in there. Uh god, what else? The music ain't terrible. It's pretty good for the Nintendo 64, I thought anyway. Um, and uh, God, kind of running out of things here, guys. Well, so here's um, you're I, done. That's here, all. You're done. It's hard because they have some ideas that you that are really neat ideas. Uh, I like the uh, the harvester bar, like Billy kind of hinted at. The whole time you're going through each era, there's only so many humans that can be captured, or you immediately lose. Yes, it also spawns enemies you have to deal with, but you can fight those enemies and then still continue but eventually there's a little bar at the bottom that shows like a human's head and it fills up slowly over time as long as those harvesters are out and you're not stopping them um i like that idea that it gives you instead of just a time limit for the level it's it's a time limit on how long you can avoid these harvesters right you could either try to destroy the harvesters which is really what you should do or i guess if you were close enough to a checkpoint or the the, the boss or whatever you could just rush to that last phase not worry about the harvester because it's a it's a not a, an extremely fast buildup. But still, it's there. My complaints with it are it, it does build up too fast. It, it, it builds up over the entire era. So if you get through the first section of Greece and your humanity bar that's been taken is at 90%, it never goes down. There's nothing you can do to lower it. And that means for the remaining two to three sections, you can only lose that tiny sliver, which might be two people. It might be if you don't get to that harvester immediately, as soon as it shows up on the map, they're going to eat a person and it goes down. Like you, It, it makes it really hard uh, to get to... Or, it makes it really easy to get to a point of no return on a level where you'll start a section and you'll have no humanity left that you can avoid losing. Um, I also believe that when the harvesters are out, it's just if people die. So if the harvesters are out and you drive over humans, I think it also counts against you. Like those are, I, I like the idea of having this harvester bar be there. So the, the overall goal of the game is to stop humans from getting taken. So sure, if they take enough humans, you lose. Cool, totally fine with that. The fact that it it is very easy to get trapped in a in a a later level on an era where you've just auto saved, you know, you've saved and you have one save spot, you've saved at a point where now you can't come back from that. Now what? 
What are you supposed to do? Start the game over again. Well, that's not going to happen. I had to start the game over again three times, and I will never do it again. <laughs> oh, I really like the cheesy sci-fi setting of it. Like that's that's fun. I like stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, it's got a, it's got a nice you know plot to it. I, I'm on board for the plot. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of cheesy sci-fi. I mentioned Starship Troopers earlier on. Yeah, it's it's got kind of that that the vibe to it, but it's just it. It lets you down around about every other corner. There's some really cool stuff here. They, you can tell, especially if, if you, you know, you, you hear about the development of it, you, you, you wish for what could have been with this thing. Like if they went balls to the wall, um, not, none of these slow down on here and you, you're just shooting it out. You're jumping in damn whatever car or, vehicle you can find and just going to town trying to fight off this menace um you, you might have something good here because those are great parts of the game unfortunately it's not the entire game and i keep coming back to it there when it's this game is good it's it's pretty decent um there's just too much bad here for me Th there really is like i i found myself going from intrigued to just not interested um it's it's not a boring game by any means, uh, but it, it got to that point pretty pretty early on, like several hours in, to where uh, it just it, it wasn't grabbed me anymore. I, I was playing it, you know, because we because we're reviewing it. But if this was me and I had picked this game up, I'm own accord, and I was like, oh, let's play through this. I uh, you know, it, 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 we would have been a few hours in and probably done. It's just aged badly yes. i mean that's yeah, that, couple it with that yeah it, it that's really the biggest thing for it and, and you know we can't put on our three inch thick nostalgia glasses or whatever for this one because i, I never played it you know and and so coming trying this now is it, it is rough to get into and i know this game has its fans out there um you know including the patrons so um it's cool you know that if you guys got to play this back in the day and you really enjoyed it but man, coming at this now, like with with the whole just it's it's aged like a fucking rotted tomato, and along with all the other stuff on top of it, with the gameplay issues and just being incredibly unfocused for what for what it's trying to do, it's it's real. This one's really hard to 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 sit through. I mean, it is it is one of the tougher ones that we have actually tried to get through on this on the podcast. I think I think it has definitely aged very poorly. Uh, what this reminded me of is a situation where I would have rented this game, right? You would have rent a game like this. You only play through the first few levels, right? If you get through all of Greece in a weekend, playing it as a kid would, you know, especially if you have your brothers or friends or whoever, so you're kind of taking turns, you're dying, you're figuring out the game, you think it's cool, you can drive around and hit humans, fine, you're having a great time. But you get through Greece, you're like, oh, this was a really neat game, then you had to return it. And then 20 years later, you're thinking like, what N64 game would I like to play? Oh, I remember that game had a lot of really neat stuff in it because you didn't get far enough to get really frustrated with it and see how the game kind of uh, is doing too many things. Like what you find out by the time you get to the US here, uh, the missions are incredibly vague. The map is very confusing. There's a there's a regular city level and then there's all these these uh, like sewer tunnels you have to walk through as a person. Then you come up on another side that looks exactly the same as the city we're just in, but somehow on the map you're in a different era area and you have to figure out where to go. It's just, it's very confusing later on, but that first few levels is organized well enough and has enough 
interesting like open world gameplay that wouldn't have been the standard at the time i would have remembered this as like this game was a you know amazingly cool there were so many deep things in it but uh playing it now yes there are many games that do this sort of better uh that, that this is probably not worth hunting down but what i would say is this is still a company that's very active makes some of the best games out in current consoles gta 6 is coming out some point in the next couple years everyone's very excited i would love to see rockstar take more time and put out a more accurate version of what they wanted this game to be. I think this could be really, really cool as a, another franchise for them to handle, uh, along with their Wild West with Red Dead Revolver, uh, Red Dead Redemption, and um, of course, Grand Theft Auto. Like, this would be a really neat game for them to kind of reimagine and re release. Yeah, if they just wanted to go like with a, a more straightforward kind of action y arcade game or whatever, not like a full on game like, you know, GTA or something like that. I think this would be a fun thing to to see what they could do with it. I'm sure it'd be a hell of a lot better, you know, as far as like yeah. actually designing it and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that would that would actually be neat because if, if there's one thing they can do, it's a setting. And I would love to see what they could do with, with cheesy 50 sci fi. That's our thoughts on Body Harvest. Clearly not a bad game. Uh, maybe a game that hasn't aged very well. And if you are like an N64 super fan and you try to find all these games on the N64, you may not have tried. If you haven't played this, there's not much else like it on the console. It, it really is ahead of its time for what it tried to do. Uh, but as a result, there are many games that do what this tried to do a lot better uh, and may not uh, hold up as well. But it, I was very glad that you picked a Joey H. Thank you for the recommendation. And if you, like Joey, want to, us to cover a game that you remember very fondly, the best way to do that is to go to Retrovania.net, uh, find our link there to our Patreon and join it. But while you're there doing that, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, past all our social media links, our links to Twitch, everything else we do, there's a question form. And every show, we take your questions and we answer them like we're going to do right now. That's right. We, uh, on the previous uh, Santa Sack episode, <laughs> finished up with all the email that we had mm. had last year. And uh, sure enough, to start the year, the, the sack's full. Shitter's mm. full again. Damn, shit, yeah. So we're going to try to get through a few of these. Obviously, we can't, you know, I, we're, we're well over <laughs> more than we can do on this this episode. Uh, but we, again, we will get to your questions in a timely fashion and, and timely, maybe in quotes, but God damn it. We'll get there at some point. Anyway, the first question is going to come from failure to conform. And I just want to read this email address real quick. I don't think it's real, but <laughs> JP and the semen grandpas at netscape.com. Um, <laughs> and he's right again, netscape. That's what, that was my favorite thing about it. Um, He's writing in about wrestling gimmicks. Hello, hello, Vania Maniacs. So we got to know, brother, if you were to step into the squared circle, what would be your wrestling gimmick? Also, oh, would you also what would be your ring entrance theme song? Would you be a face or a heel? And what of your finishing move? As always, thanks for the show, guys. There's a lot of wrestling stuff there. This is like a straight There's up a Billy question. Uh, damn. Um, I, I actually... I'll go with the character I created on SmackDown versus Raw for years. And I, I had myself as like a very savvy businessman that, that was referred to as the executive. And, yeah, you know, you fucking damn come out in a nice suit. Uh, there was a, 
the once the games had it, there was a briefcase. Uh, and you know, you're you're just fucking all business in the ring. And, and the guy's gimmick would be, which you couldn't play out in the game, but uh, you know, when I sit there and, and would talk it out because we we had a very active creator wrestler community for for many years amongst my friends and I um, would be you know I, I I would be in the middle of of, of a match and then you know the, the match ran too long I got a fucking meeting I got to get out of this ring and go so I would get my character out of there and I would lose by count out the majority of the time because I had places to be I could I couldn't just do this fucking wrestling job the whole time um, entrance theme that he came out to uh it it varied and we would actually pull a a a little boom box up to the tv to to play the entrance themes as our characters came out he started with the sharp dressed man uh, and later transitioned into phil collins susudio and and, uh, and it was good times to have with that um, I, damn, that has me just, that question has me itching to get back into like the, the whole, you know, create a wrestler community on these new games. But I, it's just, there, there's, I think the charm's gone because you can do too good of a job now. I loved it back when you could make someone that almost kind of looked like somebody, uh, but, but not quite. I, I feel like it's too in depth today. It'd be too much pressure for me. So yeah, that, that was, that was. That was my guy, and his finisher, um, you got to be a wrestling fan for this one. William Regal had a finisher uh, that was like this weird kind of little little neck breaker type thing, um, and I it was referred to as the executive order, and, and there you have it. Uh, so my uh, wrestling video game experience is very narrow, unless you're a wrestler in like Tekken or something. I, I do not play... Mm. I, not that I, I'm against them. I just have not played a lot of wrestling games since the NES. So, uh, and I was not a wrestling like WWF fan or any of that stuff either. Like I was never big into wrestling. It was there. I knew the characters, but I didn't really pay attention to any of it. So this is not a great question for me, but if I was going to be a wrestler, one, I would have to be a heel because I can't actually do anything, but I would love to dress up in eight bit format of the Amazon from the original NES pro wrestling. Oh, <laughs> and that's well, what I would come out mask and not like the, the body suit. Yep. The big, but in big boxy format to look like the eight bit version Yeah, <laughs> and just go out and eat it. That would be my, <laughs> like try to eat people's heads <laughs> and lose. It'd be terrible. Uh, that would be my, my, I would be the only person that liked that, but I would enjoy it immensely. Um, as far as, as soundtracks, while I, uh, you know, obviously I'd use the theme, the theme to this podcast, 8-Bitter by the band Subtastics. But if if I wasn't doing that as a joke, I would instead, uh, when we used to play uh, tennis, and I don't mean used to play like when we were kids, like this is like last summer, we would have tennis tournaments where even though we're terrible at tennis, all me and my friends are all awful, but we'd still have these tournaments and we would have walkout music <laughs> to come out of the court. <laughs> and I used Pleasure Man. Uh, by the guy that did the ding dong <laughs> song. That was my amazing, uh, my amazing soundtrack. So I would use that pleasure man. Man, I've always kind of had a fascination with just someone being the most depressed wrestler in the world and just having that Ooh. as their gimmick. Just, <laughs> you know, coming out and, you know, just wandering out slowly in, in old, like, just pajamas that, that obviously haven't been washed. There's a hot pocket Damn. on the ground or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, Man, I. The, I'm pretty, I'm I pretty guess, sure Mick Foley. I'm pretty sure Mick Foley dresses that way. Close, but he's not completely depressed. He well, he's happy. Then. He's happy. Yeah, he's he was always happy. This guy would be the opposite of Mick Foley, where he's just 
you know, you don't you don't feel good when you see him. It's it's not yeah. a, a funny ha ha. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a funny oh. Um, but yeah, I guess like it, it'd have to be a a heel because nobody likes you. Nobody wants to be around you, and uh, your finisher would just be like called the the accepted fate, where you just step outside the Ooh. ring, lay down, and, and get <laughs> counted out. Um, You're getting count out, count out two gimmicks where it's the whole gimmick is you get counted out. I would, hey, you know, if it works, it works. Uh, theme song would be Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. So, oh God, um, lighty. let's the whole uh, crowd would be just as depressed. I want, I want everybody in the the audience just you know it, rethinking it, things about their lives. It, re- it reminds me of Terry Funk, and I got goddamn, I love Terry Funk. But he started like towards the tail end of his career. He started coming out to the Eagles Desperado. It's like, what? I can't. Can you cheer to this? What do you do? It's fucking Desperado. I'm getting, I'm supposed <laughs> to be getting pumped up. I'm getting a little sad. <laughs> uh, well, we're trying not to get too sad over here. Uh, but anyway, thank you, uh, Failure to Conform, for writing in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, our next question comes in from Billy's Big Brown Beaver. Perfect. And Whoa. he's. He's oh, writing wow. in about game manuals, starting the year off right here. Is he? Damn. Hey, hey, guys, love the podcast. Been wondering if you look up the manuals for these games that you cover before you play them. As a kid, reading the manuals on the way home from the video store was so much fun. Since most retro games don't have the manuals unless you want to pay a premium, and other means of attaining the games, of course, doesn't. I was just curious if you search them out online before you play them. Wishing you all the best. Now I I I will say that I don't usually um unless I'm absolutely baffled by a control scheme. However, I want to know what what video store was giving you full manuals. So mine they printed they printed out uh, you got a shitty photocopy on the on the back of the box and it cut out uh, you know almost the entirety of the manual. I'm jealous already. Yeah, I had that experience too. It would be like the one page Summary of how to play yeah. a, a rental, but uh, I, as a kid, I do remember 100% though buying any game on the way home. Yep, open that box up, read the manual the whole way home, front to back, memorize the whole thing. I, I, I still uh, remember that. That's one of my favorite memories. I loved the art in like the old Nintendo games, where it was like hand drawn versions of the enemies. Loved all that stuff. Mm. Um, so for games we cover on the podcast, my general rule of thumb is I will try to play it first with no manual, as if I was just a kid at a friend's house borrowing a game. I'll put it in, see see what I think of the game without reading it, right? See if it's intuitive, see if it makes any sense. I will always go back, even if it's a game that I, you know, understand completely, I will always go back and look at the manual. Sometimes there's things in there that are noteworthy, or sometimes there's, like, uh, game mechanics you don't even realize you have, even though you finish the game, you're like, oh, I could push select and I get a health button, or something. Um, you know, so it's always... I go back and read the manual for every one of these. I have to find them online, of course, uh, for many of them. Uh, the good news is there are so many resources online that do scan the original manuals. You're able to find the actual original text manual for everything. You don't have to worry about finding just like someone's summary on game facts of how to play it. Um, but there have been a few games, not too many, but there are a few games where I couldn't even find that. Uh, and in that case, no, I did not. But for, for 99% of these episodes, I do read the manual uh, at some point before we record the episode. I usually don't. I mean, most of these games do not require a manual, um, but some of them there are some weird stuff where if I just don't think I'm getting it, then I'll I'll go look up a manual and, and see if there's just something that I'm missing um, because I can be that stupid at times. But yeah, I totally agree with you about manuals coming home from the video store. Like my video store did actually try to <laughs> include manuals and the state of them was completely dependent on how long the game had been out. 
and if anyone actually brought the instructions back. Because my video store would actually charge you a fee if you did not return the instructions with the game. So for the most part, a lot of the games that I rented had manuals with them. It was just most of them was in a state of disrepair that, you know, they were missing pages. Um, that somebody's little brother had scribbled all the way through them or, or whatever you could imagine being done to. A lot of them just kind of looked like they had been tossed into a puddle of water and then put, put back mm. into the game case. Uh, it was a struggle sometimes. That's why I always tried to rent things that were new because I know I'd get those pristine new instructions with them. Um, but yeah, the, it was always fun to, to check those out on the way home or whatever because manuals were nice back in the day for the most part. You know, like 8-bit and 16-bit days, like a lot of them were, you know, in color and were, was printed on like good paper. You know, even a, a good chunk of them had like in-game strat or in, in manual strategy guides with them with maps and stuff like that. It was it was crazy what all that they would put in into some of those manuals. So yeah, I, I love me a good video game manual. That stuff's pretty awesome. But yeah, thanks for writing in Billy's big brown beaver. Mm -hmm. Next Next question comes in from The Mutt, and he's writing in about Taco Bell and remakes. Hey guys, just got two questions here. What is your favorite menu item Taco Bell no longer sells? For me, it oh. would be the chili cheese burrito. Oh. I'd eat about six of those in an order of nachos and be totally fine. Second yeah. question is, if a re remake of Final Fantasy V was ever to get, get made, would you want it in the style of Final Fantasy VII Remake or in the style of Final Fantasy X, a more traditional remake. I would prefer Final Fantasy X, personally. All right. Um, yeah, we're, we are kindred spirits, but I may be showing my age. I don't know it as the chili cheese burrito. I know it as the Chilito. And yes, that is my menu item. Uh, fun fact is that I was getting Chilitos for a few years after, and I didn't really think too much into it because the Taco Bells would have to have the ingredients still. And apparently it just came down to the sauce. Um, so yeah, I was getting Chilitos for about three years after they'd taken off the menu in Madison, North Carolina, um, with no, uh, no concerns that meant that they had sauce that had been sitting for a few years. They were still delicious. I love them. I wish they would come back. Um, I have actually spoken to employees at a couple of Taco Bells, and uh, they don't have the they don't have the goods to authentically make them any longer. Um, if if you're remaking a Final Fantasy, you'd have to do it in the same style of the original at that point. Unless it's a whole new game, you know. I mean, with Final Fantasy VII it, remake. As it's, as it's called, uh, you know, they, they went with a new style for that, but that was not a direct, you know, one for one remake of the game. I, I think it would just, it would just be kind of jarring to take one of those old Final Fantasy games that was, you know, had, had the turn based and to, and to not make it so. I, I, I feel like, you know, especially just like I said, top of the episode playing Super Mario RPG, it would have been really weird playing through that and it, you know, just being one big flowing non-turn-based battle. So I, I, I think you got to dance with who brung you on that one and, and stick to the way it was. I, I agree with Final Fantasy V. You'd want it to be more, I don't know if I said necessarily say like 10, but in, in a more traditional format. Um, mm -hmm. It's also a game that not everyone has played. I mean, at this point, I guess if you're really into Final Fantasy, you have the Origins Collection or whatever it's called that you could play it on uh, those remasters that have come out for everything. But like, 
up until then, you had, what, the DS version that came out here or a Game Boy Advance version, and then you really didn't have it in the U.S. at all. Um, I've tried to play it through several times on the old iOS version, and it's not a bad game by any means, but it's not as polished as 6. Um, I, I don't know exactly if I'd even want it remade, even in the style of 10, but if I had to pick between 10 and something mm. that's a full action battle, you know, constant, uh, more real-time system like Final Fantasy VII Remake or 15 or 16, I, I don't think I'd want that. Um, but you know what? I, I'm not in love with 5, so it wouldn't hurt my feelings either way. Uh, as far as Taco Bell items, I have to say, I mean, I remember the chili, the Chilito as well, um, and it was one I ate, but I'm, I'm a very simple man. I like standard tacos. I don't go for anything crazy. The craziest I'll go is a chalupa, and then I want just the supreme. Nothing even insane there. So, like, I'm sure there's other Taco Bell items that are not there anymore that I miss. But honestly, I think from the time I had a, I was able to drive to Taco Bell by myself until now, I basically just order tacos. Mm-hmm. Standard. Mm-hmm. I like the hard tacos, even the crunchy tacos, if I get them there, uh, as opposed to the soft tacos. When they used to get sent 10 tacos for in that box for, like, $5 or whatever, like, that was the yes. best. And so I, I'm, I'm a taco guy, and they still sell tacos at Taco Bell. So there's not much there that I necessarily miss. The Cholito was one I would get because uh, I love. It's basically just Hormel chili, <laughs> but I like that with some cheese in it. It was fine. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else crazy. Up until recently, the Mexican pizza was gone, but that's back. So old news. I don't know. That, sorry, I'm a boring taco guy. I'm kind of the same. Like, I, I really just kind of like a good hard taco, like a few good hard tacos, and, and I'm good to go. Mm. Um, but my all-time favorite thing that they've stopped carrying is um, the double XL stuffed burrito. Oh yeah. And that thing was fucking delicious. And my goodness, this cat is having a fit, but yeah, I, I love that thing. And um, for whatever reason, they took it off the menu and you can try your best to remake it as like a custom mm-hmm. burrito in oh, the yeah. app. It's just not the same. It just doesn't work. Oh. I'm patiently waiting on the day they bring that one back. Um, I was also a really big fan of the uh, the Naked Chalupa. Like, I, yes. I love that thing. And, and that's been missing from the menu for quite a while, like the pre-COVID the, the, days. The one item that shouldn't have worked, it should have been the nastiest thing on the menu. And we have a mutual love for this item. Yeah, it's delicious. It, it should not be good at all, especially coming from Taco Bell. Uh, but by God, it was it was damn, damn good. And uh, hopefully they'll bring that one back one day. Yeah. As as far as the remake, uh, you know, I for Final Fantasy V, yeah, I'd go with a more traditional remake because, I mean, Final Fantasy VII, they pick the right the right game to do the crazy remake yeah. shit with. It makes sense in a way. It was just primed for that because of the way the storytelling was in the first place. Um, but yeah, any anything else, especially like the early Final Fantasies, you'd you'd have to do a traditional remake. You know, better graphics and all that. Um, but not changing the story and changing the gameplay too much. Uh, but yeah, that is going to do it for us this week, guys. Uh, don't worry, we've got plenty of questions in the pipeline for next time. Uh, and thanks for writing in. And thank you again to Joey H for picking this game. We're very excited to finally get to cover uh, Body Harvest, even if we didn't necessarily love the game. It's always fun to play something we may not have tried before. And again, if you like Joey, you want us to cover your game, or you want these extra bonus episodes we've hinted at several times throughout the episode, always find us at Retrovania.net. There's a link to the Patreon there. You can join there cause uh, and have us forced... Try again forced to cover your game, get extra pet episodes. And again, if you have a question for us at the very bottom of that page, there's the question form you can send. And we will be trying to keep up with them so we don't have to have two question-only episodes this year. Although if we do, that's okay too. Everyone seems to like them. And we'll see you next time.